When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Grilling JR. This is Paul Bromwell and I'm joined by the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. JR, how are you this week? Uh, pretty good. Thank you. I'm just trying to get my... Uh my lighting issues solved. Of course it falls just as we're starting. <laughs> so anyway, it's okay. I can see you. And, uh, the good news is we can hear you and that's all right. Uh, well, good. That's the most important. I guess so. I hope so. Knock on wood. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how have things been going? JR doing a little traveling and, and dynamite's been going well rampages to all the build up to the big pay-per-view. Yeah. It's been a hectic time. I think, uh, the busiest time I can recall being in AEW and certainly at least in my humble opinion, uh, the most important week in the, uh, three-year history of, uh, AEW, quite frankly, you know, being in Vegas, a lot of tickets sold, uh, people having a great time. Uh, they were ready to travel. So it's, it's pretty cool stuff. I'm, uh, very excited about what we're doing and. I hope everybody else is too. I don't know. We're recording this a little bit out of sequence, so I'm not even sure when it airs, but, but I know where I'm going to be in a, in, in a couple of days. I'm going to be in uh, Vegas for four days. I think it is. And then in LA for two days and then, uh, coming back, I'm going to come back then to Oklahoma. Uh, it cuts the flying time in half. And then from Oklahoma, the following week, I'll go to Kansas city which is a nice short flight. So, but things are good, you know, just, uh, staying ahead of the travel curve and it is what it is to travel, but, uh, we're, we're having fun. And, uh, I can tell you that the cards have, are awesome and it's going to be really hard to quote unquote, steal the show at any of our events in Vegas or LA, uh, cause the, you know, it's just, it's a special opportunity for everybody to really shine. And I hope they take that opportunity and, and make that happen. Yeah, no, it's, uh, this one, this one, JR will drop, uh, the Thursday before the big pay-per-view. And, and I was looking at the card last night, man, we're finally getting that dream match. The Hardys against the young bucks. That's a fun one. Yeah. And, uh, and then punk in the main event with hangman. So definitely a lot to look forward to. Uh, AEW has a lot going on and you're going to be there involved in all of it on the call. Right. Uh, pay-per-view so that's going to be fun the owen hart finals looking forward to that one that's yeah so tournament. there's a lot of great matchups yeah and there are there are matchups with involving people that take great pride in their work they're not going to go out there and say okay i need to do something so spectacular that it is jaw-dropping i don't think that there's most of the guys don't have that mentality i think a lot of them have said we're gonna have a great match 
we won't have the best match on the show. So, uh, and whomever is the one that could unlock that puzzle, put all the pieces back together, uh, good on you. So I'm looking forward to it. I just think it's going to be great. The atmosphere is super. The fans have, or, you know, there's, I don't know. I don't know. There's not even tickets left. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to be a big weekend, but listen, let's, uh, let's talk about what we're here today to discuss. And that is one of your fellow AEW team members, none other than fellow hall of famer, Jake, the snake Roberts, uh, born Aurelian Smith, Jr. May 30th, 1955 Jr. So he's about to celebrate his 67th birthday in just a few short days. Uh, when do you first remember hearing about or meeting Jake? Was it when you were both starting under Leroy McGurk as refs or was it prior to that? Yeah, I think he was a referee. Yeah, he was. I think he was a referee when I first, you know, came across him, the son of Grizzly Smith, Grizzly Smith was like a road agent, uh, producer, coach, whatever you want to term you want to utilize. So I think that that's the first time I came across Jake and I'm sure at that time he probably was in his late teens. Early twenties, I'm guessing. How, uh, how well did you know his father speaking of, of Grizzly, uh, during this time period, how did, how did you enter, you know, meet well, him I worked and- with him pretty much, you know, on a weekly basis. So I didn't know him as well as you might assume, but we had a business relationship. Pretty much. That's it. Uh, I didn't travel with him. He didn't travel with me. Uh, everybody has their thing, you know, and, uh, but I've worked with Grizz almost every day. I learned a lot from Grizz. Grizz is a real good, uh, uh, finish guy and, 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 and reliable. He was always on the road and I don't know to Grizz's, uh, uh, you know, the allegations and things of that nature that Grizz had had, uh, I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but I do know he knew wrestling and uh, I learned a lot from about basic fundamental wrestling. From Grizzly Smith, no doubt. Hmm. Would certainly make sense. You know, we will learn just how uh kind of the the master of strategy and, and a technician and uh Jake the Snake would turn out to be. So you, you have that influence there. What were your first impressions of Jake like in the ring or promo work? Did he do you think he was one of those guys when you first started seeing him develop and 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 working that hey, this guy, he he has the it factor. Well, he did have the it factor, uh and he was a student of the game to say the very least, uh, he, he was really, a, a savant, uh, in my estimation and, uh, and Jake had no, pro- he thought like a heel. Now he was an f- effective baby face. There's no doubt about that, but by and large, I think in a natural sense, Jake was a natural born heel and that, uh, the, his, his, uh, promos talking low and making you listen things of that nature, just common sense stuff that nobody else was doing. Uh, Jake picked that up and, and, uh, and he used that as a foundation for his, uh, verbal contributions to his game. So, uh, he was, uh, he was ahead of his time in many, many ways was Jake Roberts. So Jr. uh, Jake spent most of the late seventies working in Canada for Al Tomko's Vancouver all-star wrestling. And then he would move over to stampede for Stu Hart, where he really revitalized his career there. Did you happen to get a chance to see any of Jake's work up there or hear about that? I only heard about it. I didn't see it, uh, different day and time as far as, uh, sharing audio and video and things of that nature. So no, I didn't see his work. Uh, but from what everybody told me. He was, uh, ahead of the curve 
he was, you know, for a guy with this experience level, he didn't wrestle like he was inexperienced. So he got it real early on, but because of the nature of the television beast, I didn't see much of his work for, for the, uh, his Canadian stays, but he worked a lot. And that's what guys were looking forward to when they go there working for Al Tomko or for a Stu Hart was ring time. And you may not make a ton of money. And then again, you may do all right, but you're going to get plenty of reps. And, uh, that was crucial for the advancement of any talent. How many, how much ring time can you acquire? Big deal. It's a real big deal. Well, Jim, he would continue to get those reps and in a, an area where you were for you to see. And that was when he came back to mid South in the early eighties. Uh, this is where I think it, he takes the next level or the next step in his progression. Is this where the DV, DDT is invented down here in mid South in the early eighties for Jake? I'm not sure. It might've been, yeah. it might've been, uh, there or in Atlanta, I'm guessing, uh, it's just, I'm not being evasive. I just don't know the correct answer to put it in historical terms or a timeline because he seems like Jake seems like he's been doing the DDT forever. I don't remember him not doing it. Quite frankly, it's so it's such a dominant uh, finishing move and stressing the point. It was a finishing move. It wasn't a transition spot. It wasn't a false finish spot. When you get caught with the DDT, you lost. And you know, I, to me, I think that's, that's a some smart wrestling. Uh, and Jake, uh, he protected that finish. Uh, and, uh, and he did it the right way. Man, you're absolutely right. Uh, even, you know, I was first exposed to him as a kid in WWE or WWF at the time. And, uh, that was when he slapped that person's body right into under his arm. You knew it was over. You knew it was over. You knew we we're going to see the snake. Now to your point, JR, it's a transition move, unfortunately yeah. in wrestling. And I know wrestling evolves, but uh, man, the buildup, it was there. And, uh, that was, a, that was the finisher and it was all Jake Roberts, the DDT he, he did. You mentioned it earlier that he really honed his craft, worked in a lot of areas. He would have some runs in mid Atlantic. He worked in Georgia. He worked in world-class. He was in Florida and this is all in between his mid South runs. Um, you got to think this, it was a good idea for him to get all this exposure in the different territories around this time, just to really kind of perfect his craft. Yeah. He's a sponge. And the more content and material you can provide a sponge, uh, the better off they are in the long haul. So, uh, and Jake had a lot of really good teachers, uh, good influences, even though he probably was ahead of the game mentally, um, then probably 90% of the guys I'm referring to, uh, he just, uh, was just a natural. And I think him working with a lot of top talents, top promoters, uh, productive territories, uh, served him well, uh, you know, like you said, he's going to be 67 soon and, uh, he's still contributing, you know, anybody that's got a chance to sign Jake to, a to a, uh, a personal appearance or a seminar or Q and a, or things like that, you should not hesitate. He's just brilliant and he can provide, uh, those that are listening, uh, information that they can't get anywhere else. He's part, he's at the end of a long breed of talents from that era. And so anytime I think that if you're a wrestling promoter or a aficionado and you want to, and you want to uh, share the knowledge of some of these veterans, that's a hell of a place to start with Jason snake Roberts. 
Well, JR, your career is interwoven with Jake the Snake's career. And uh, I have a clip here we're going to play. And man, this is a lot of fun. This is your glory days. This is back in Mid-South. It's January. It's 1986. And uh, he had some big feuds with Ron Garvin and Dick Slater. But this is a memorable moment. And he's going to put Dark Journey here in the DDT. Uh, This is uh, Dirty Dick Slater's valet at the time. So let's take a look at this. And uh, we'll bring back all the memories for you. Let's check it out. Now let's do it my way and not your way. We'll just extend the DDT. We won't use the DDT. It's not using the DDT. I mean. You'll put this on the line if I won't use the DDT. Hey, man. Exactly, you're right. You know, they may call you Mr. Unpredictable. They may call you Mr. Unpredictable, but they should never call you stupid because that's the best thing I got out of this. It's the best thing I got going, and you're going to take that away from me. That's the only way. That's it. That's the only way I'll sign a match. Take the DDT away. I'll sign a match at any time. Slater, you keep out of my face one more time. That's it. Let me tell you something, Slater. I won't use an EDT if you'll get that Jezebel out of here. That's my word, the Jezebel. Is that good enough for you, my man? All this is it. What are you trying to do? No script. She's trash, Slater. She looks good, but she's still trash. That was Joel Watts, uh, uh on color. Uh, so Joel and I did that. That was a hot uh, show. No doubt. Wow. That was, that was awesome. And, and here's the other thing about Jake. He knew when to do it and how to do it. And, uh, er, the timing was just there. It's like saying, well, could he have done that DDT on dark journey a little earlier? It'd be just as effective. Probably not. He, he didn't, he didn't, uh, stay too long. He got his business done and, and it was effective. And, you saw the, the great, uh, marketing, uh, example, uh, research. So shall we say, because the crowd was on their feet, they're jumping up and down. Insane. They're, yeah. They're going crazy. So yeah. it, it just, it set up a real good match, a good series with Slater, uh, who Dickie was crazy. Uh, but boy, he's a hell of a worker when he was motivated. He's so much akin to Terry funk was Dick Slater that it was, uh, kind of frightening at times. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying Dick Slater was better than Terry Funk. Cause I don't know if anybody in any incarnation was better than Terry Funk, quite frankly. Uh, but boy, it was uh, something else. That was a hot night. It was, uh, it was good. It worked. Here's the deal. Yeah. The angle worked and it worked because the two talents executed an ad lib and, and people take that for granted. Oh, okay. Well, sure. 
you know, they, they make it look easy, especially Jake Roberts makes it look easy, but it wasn't easy. And, uh, they're floating by the seat of their pants. And, and, uh, I, I got all this respect in the world for uh, guys like Jake Roberts and still do. Like I said, I think he's a, a asset that somebody could utilize, uh, uh, for seminars or whatever, because he understands the basic fundamentals of pro wrestling. And unfortunately, uh, that's not the, that's not the case with everybody. There are not many of those Jake Roberts guys left. So anybody that's not taking advantage of that, uh, is making a mistake in my opinion. And to your point, JR about the ad lib and feeling the crowd. I mean, even what he was doing with the referee, if you get in front of me one more time, that, yeah, that, that was, was just a great, that was, that, that was Eddie Gilbert's dad, Tommy. Yeah. Big star in, uh, Memphis for years and years and did some nice work for cowboy. Uh, and then when his wrestling days were over, a cowboy made him a referee. And Tommy was a real good referee. He understood the business. Another guy that we had a lot of our young talents had the luxury of being in the ring with, even though Tommy was in the ring as a referee, we can't, uh, even though WWE doesn't still doesn't acknowledge the names of the referees. Yeah. So I don't understand that quite officials. They're all officials. I'm not going to go into some tirade about I know. it because yeah. bottom line is I think if anybody's on your TV show, whether it be your ring announcer, like a Justin Roberts, or whether it be, uh, referees, uh, they, they're stars. Give them a brand. Yeah. yeah brand. If, if you don't, if you don't position them as somebody special, look, they're working for you. That's right. You put them on television. So why aren't they being recognized? Is the question. I'm with you too. I mean, then think about later on in their career when they want to do an autograph show. If nobody knows their name, what does it matter? At least they have their name, their brand, uh, and you've helped promote that through the years. You know, you think about the great referees, Earl Hebner, Mike Kyoto, whoever people know their names. So yes, I want to go see, meet him. If you don't know any of the officials, then how do you know their brand or who they are uh, for them in their future too? I don't know. It's just, I'm with you. So, uh, before we get off on that tangent, so let's talk more about this mid South run. This was red hot. The territory was crazy. By the way, for those that didn't see the video, Jim Ross is full tuxedo in the middle <laughs> of the ring for that whole exchange. Uh, as I said, you're just woke and throughout Jake's career. Tell us a little bit about the heat with Jake and Bill Watts when he left the territory. Well, not, not unlike a lot of guys, you know, you, it's either about cash or creative, you know, we overanalyze the shit out of this matter, but generally speaking, uh, when wrestlers leave a territory and, uh, it's acrimonious, it has to do with one of the two C's cash or creative or both. So, uh, I think that's where that was. I don't think it was anything really extraordinarily unique or different. Uh, but, uh, and the other thing too, is that Bill realized that Jake was not the average bear. He was smart and, uh, probably would have been a hell of a booker, but you know, it's not, it's not how the cart, the hand was played, but, uh, I don't think anything all out of the ordinary for those two guys, Okay, uh, a cowboy was wanted to do it his way and Jake thought his way was the right way. And Jake may have been absolutely spot on, but I don't think it was extraordinarily unique, quite frankly, cash and creative pretty well will cover those answers. 
Gotcha. Well, it moves, uh, Jake moves forward and it moves forward in a big way for him, JR, because he gets his big break that he's been looking for, uh, joining the WWF in 1986. He already had the snake moniker for several years at this point, but this is when start bringing in the actual snake with him to the ring too. So what did you think about this whole twist and dynamic? Obviously the Vince McMahon and WWF influence. Hey, pal, you're going to bring a snake with you. What did you think about that? Well, I'm sure it was Vince's idea and a collaborative effort with Jake as well. Uh, Jake, I think was lucky in this, in as much as most promoters would not have dealt with the snake. It's maintenance. Uh, it's got to travel. It's got to eat. Uh, you know, it's got to be protected and all these things. Uh, and when you got a crew of wrestlers that are ornery and wanting to play pranks and ribs, you know, sometimes a snake, not unlike Matilda, the British bulldogs bulldog, it, it, unfortunately it became the, the, the blunt of some, or the, butt of some jokes. So, uh, but I think, uh, I think, uh, Vince was the right place, the right time for Jake, because Vince would go to the expense and make the arrangements to have the snake on hand, because once you get to a certain point and you see the snake on television, it's so involved in all these angles uh, that the snake almost had a uh, snakes even had the names referees don't, but snakes do <laughs> Damien. Hey, listen, I taught uh, Tony Chimmel and Mike Coyote used to drive those trucks all over and they had a truck that had Matilda. It had, uh, it had Damien. I, I think it might even had Frankie in there. They had like a petting zoo on wheels, just driving these, these trucks around with all these animals at the time. Were you paying attention though, to his work in the WWF when he was there for those six years prior to you joining in 92? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was a big fan of Jake's work. Always have been. Because he thought, he thought things through things he did may have been uncomfortable, uh, but they were, they were realistic. It made a little, it made some sense and it kept you tuned in for the next time. And so, uh, I, I, yeah, I was almost a big fan of Jake's work because he brought, uh, logic to the scenario. He was a villain is best suited to me as a villain. I loved his heel work, uh, and cause of the, the promos are just, you know, spooky, different. How, how, how the other guys didn't figure out that the, the more you scream, the more people tune out same way. Now you got a guy that's just, they're just yellers. Like I'm old yeller, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you very much. Appreciate my writing staff today. Uh, that's funny too. Uh, so, but you know, uh, he was, he was, he was always a, a guy that you wanted to see what was next. And, uh, it was always fun to watch, to catch up and see what's going on. If I didn't have time to watch a whole WWF show at that time, or wasn't, didn't have access to all the easy streaming and taping things, yeah. uh, it was harder. It was more challenging, but if I could. And I knew Jake was on the show. Uh, I would try to watch because I knew he was going to do something unpredictable and, and something that would make me think and not insult my total intelligence, uh, as a, as a wrestling fan. Afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything wherever you listen. He had uh, so many good feuds uh, back in those days, JR. I mean, I, I think about uh, Steamboat, Honky Tonk, Rick Rude, uh, Andre uh, DiBiase, the, all, all the stuff. Randy Savage. Think about when the, I know you remember this, when they had the snake come out at the wedding. Um, and then he had the snake bite Randy's arms when he was tied up in the ropes. Uh, that's got to be one of the, the highlighted feuds, Randy and, and Jake the Snake uh, back in those days. Yeah, you got to hand it to Savage, who was never one of my favorite people. But I'll never say a negative word about his in-ring abilities. And uh, bell to bell, he was sensational. Uh, but I, I handed to Savage for going along with that angle. I mean, you know, here, hey, what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to have the snake bite. <sighs> wow. And, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and those camera shots are very graphic. Yes. And what you can see that it wasn't a work. So I handed my, tip my hat to Randy Savage on that deal. Uh, but, uh, and I tip my hat to Vince for condoning it and, and, and going for it because it was risky and it was different. So, uh, good television in my estimation. Now, Jared, there's always been talk of Jake getting involved with Hulk. And when they did a segment together, uh, one time there was the crowd went crazy for Jake as a baby face when he was supposed to be a heel, the, the crowd didn't want to accept it. They were going nuts for him. How big do you think Jake and Hogan could have been together in the WWF? I think it'd been huge, uh, Jake versus Hogan. And, uh, to be even, uh, another step, take another step. I would have suggested that, uh, Jake beat Hogan. And become the champion, uh, because Jake had the ability to make every, anybody's match good. He could work with baby faces or heels because his strong individual personality. Uh, but it was a little bit surprising, uh, that, uh, Hawk was booed so aggressively. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, it just tells you what the audience is thinking. It's, it's fun because JR, I went back to our crack staff, um, especially our guy that really sources and has a lot of access to videos that we can never find. And I said, Hey, do you have this clip? I, I would love to play this for our audience. He said, as a collector, this is one of the hardest clips to find and I cannot find it. Um, so if you have it out there, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up, but man, uh, this was a rare find. tape traders are looking for that clip everywhere. Uh, so there you go on that one. But, uh, Jake was also, I want to touch on this. We talked about it already a master of psychology, his promos, his quiet delivery. You already touched on it. Uh, Jr. his entering work as a heel and baby face. It just felt like Jr. He got the business better than most. Oh, he did. There's no doubt about that. That's not an assumption, or I think he may have gotten the business better than most. You know, he definitely got the business better than most. And the fundamental aspects of pro wrestling are just as viable today as they were back in Jake the Snake's heyday. It's using basic psychology, the good versus evil, uh, the insecurities, the seven deadly sins. Uh, all those things are, are, uh, are things that Jake drew upon. Because the average Joe, the average wrestling fan, uh, certainly could, uh, identify with jealousy or fear or hate things of that nature. They may not sound, you know, great, but if you're a wrestling villain 
and you have a great sense of, uh, verbiage and you can do that. You're, you know, you're, you're ahead of the curve. It's bump free money. Talk them into the building and, and, and rock and roll from there. So, cause you're not going to see Jake Roberts doing any tope suicidas. Not then, not now, not ever. So, you know, I, 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 I just love this work and I, and I, I'm glad that he's, you know, I made a report here on the, the show about, I saw him uh, at a taping, uh, we did for, uh, seven bucks entertainment on and talking about some mid South guys, DiBiase was there and, and, uh, Michael Hayes, myself and, uh, and Jake. And I just didn't feel that Jake felt good that day. He, 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 uh, he got fatigued and, but we were there a long time. So he, he carried his share of the water, no doubt about that. But, uh, it, that kind of got out there and people made a story out of it. You know, uh, that's what I'm saying. Jake Roberts is, is uh, free to go on his appearances. He's got great doctor's care. He, Jake Roberts is on top of his medical situation. Yeah, absolutely. He's got good doctors. He's got good people around him. And I'm just happier in hell that he's uh, doing as well as he is. And your estimation, have you seen anyone since or someone that comes close to the master ring psychology like Jake Jr.? Well, there's a handful. Yeah, there's a handful. He didn't have the, the, uh, uh, you know, the exclusive on it. You can, uh, Flair is another one that could come to mind. Terry Funk, I mentioned earlier, certainly Arn Anderson is, is a in ring psychologist. And you're seeing some of the, uh, those Arn Anderson like traits with FTR. Uh, they don't do a lot of wasted motion stuff. They don't do anything that you say, well, why would he do that? Why would he, when he's in control of the match, why would he leave his feet voluntarily uh, to try something high risk other than just doing a spot and FTR just, they don't do spots. They have action, but they're, uh, but they're, they take, they've taken a lot of old school traits and old school principles that a guy like Jake or Rick Flair, or all these dudes, uh, utilized and, uh, and, and made it work for him. I'll so, throw an, uh, yeah. I'll throw another guy out there to you. And this is another DDP guy that unfortunately recently uh, passed with Scott Hall has always been talking yeah. about his mind for the business. No yeah. doubt about it. He was yeah. brilliant. And I, I said at the time, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that Scott wasn't given an opportunity while he was still with us and healthy or healthier, uh, uh, to be, uh, on somebody's creative team, or he was assigned, <clears throat> pardon me, you know, maybe a, a promoter assigned Scott to a couple of talents to tutor. So I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a, I think that's well, uh, uh, it's time, shall we say. As Mark Henry would say, it's time for the main, main event. <laughs> so, uh, oh, Mark's got that over, by the way. It's he does. Cool. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, 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 I don't know where we were exactly, but, uh, that's a, no, we were just talking about him being the master in ring psychology and yeah, other performers. He was. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he decides to, uh, he leaves the WWF after not getting a promised position in the office and negotiations had gone on with Jake and WCW for a while in 92, he had agreed to a lucrative deal with Kip Fry to come in reportedly for a high six figure sum. 
so there you go. That's the transition out and, and uh, from WWF into WCW. Talk about how impactful it is for someone like a Jake Roberts to be on his way and coming over to the WCW brand at this time. Well, I think Jake was really looking forward to contributing in Vince's office, but that offer was either withdrawn or rethought. I don't know what, how you'd put it. Uh, but it, it was a new start and he wasn't, a, he wasn't a rookie. He was a, he was a veteran. And so, uh, it, it gave him an opportunity to get back in the hunt. It's the great thing about Jake with his, with his style in the ring. He didn't have to do, he never did all the, the, the acrobatic things, unless you consider a DDT an ac- acrobatic move. Uh, he was going to use his psychology. He was going to tell a story. And he's going to beat your ass with the DDT. I never saw anybody kick out of the DDT with Jake Roberts utilizer. And that's what made the hole so effective. Just the threat of going for it was a, was a little bit of a rush. Yeah. He wound that up. So when you, yeah, exactly. The crowd was getting behind him when they knew it was coming. So we talk about the transition over now to WCW, this big deal that he's gotten from Kip Fry. Were you aware of his issues with substance abuse at this time at all, JR? Of course. Yeah. Everybody was, <clears throat> it wasn't a secret. Uh, you just didn't know how, where he was on that, uh, that journey. Was he getting better? Was he teeter tottering on disaster, but you always knew that the whispers were going to be about, you know, Jake's, uh, uh, drug abuse, alcohol and drug abuse, but you know, it's, he's such a valuable asset yeah. that you hope that you can help him and, and get past this, these struggles so that he can be the, the guy that you, you know, you got, and he can earn that big money that Kip Fry was paying him. I saw numbers on that. I'm not so sure, but I saw. Yeah, I have some in, uh, some uh, some numbers here for you that, and some interesting uh, a curveball that was thrown during this period, and I want to get your thoughts on it. So uh, he waited his ninety days for the contract to go into place, but interesting enough, Cowboy Bill Watts was brought in to replace Kip Fry during that ninety days, and apparently or allegedly, as they say, Watts tore up the contract and offered Jake a new one for a much lower amount on the eighty seventh day. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, what can you share with us about this? Was there heat again? I know we talked about it and you said it's cash and creative, but he went from earning three and a half million a year to 200,000 a year. Is that accurate at all? Is that just dirt sheet fodder? Or what do you I, know I've about never, that, uh, three and a half million dollar numbers new to me, but I'm not saying it couldn't have happened. He, yeah. A lot of guys make a lot of money there. Uh, and Jake was in a main event position to potentially earn that kind of cash. But that I have never heard that number before we're talking about it today. Okay. Uh, and cowboy was simply trying to, I think, and I'm defensive of him more often than probably I should be. Uh, but he, he was just trying to not overcommit the company to a guy that he had some questions on. And, and was, the questions were always not about, can he work still? Can he draw money? Can he still cut a promo? Is he not still the idea guy that we, we like, we want. Uh, or what? And I just think that it was a matter of being careful and not over committing. I'm sure that Kip Fry did not have the background and the intel on Jake that Cowboy would. And I'm also not saying that Cowboy was totally accurate. 
if, if Jake was cleaning up and was getting better, then, you know, and Bill comes, comes in, uh, and low balls him on his money, you know, Jake's options now are, have been limited. He's, uh, he's, he's walked, he's walked away from the WWE. So where else are you going to go other than WCW to make a decent living? Do you recall JR any tension between him and, and Watts at the time when, after he came in with all this going on? Well, of course, how could there not be? Yeah. How could there not be? And, uh, it's a, it was a very unfortunate, it got too personal. You know, I, I, I've hired guys that I didn't particularly like. I didn't have, I didn't have Christmas dinner with them. I didn't exchange cards. Uh, but if I thought they were going to help the company, I was being employed by, then, uh, so be it. You, you get them on the team. You, don't, you get guys on the team to create a unit that can win games. And certainly with Jake and a positive frame of mind, he could, uh, win games for you still. Speaking of, uh, of an interesting dynamic, Grizzly Smith, his dad is in WCW at the time. Uh, what did you see there between Jake and his father? Was there not much? Okay. They didn't, I mean, I'm sure they, there was love and respect there to some level, but they never had, they always had somewhat of an estranged relationship. And so they didn't, uh, even though they were working the same company, uh, I can't tell you that they were, uh, seen, uh, side by side yeah, every day or anything. Yeah. No, that wasn't their style. Yeah. What, what, what was it? Do you have any memories of working with Grizzly at this time in WCW during this time period? Well, you know, I, I wasn't in that area very much. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I was there, I, I, he, Grizz always did his job. Uh, you know, he learned well, real well from cowboy from Ernie Ladd and those guys in mid South, he was a very reliable guy in that respect. So, uh, and I think he maintained those, uh, those principles, uh, even in WWE, WWF or whatever it was. And, uh was a, uh, you know, a contributing member of the team. He Grizz had great knowledge, uh, and great, uh, you know, Intel. He understood that he could help a talent with a little wrinkle here or there in our matches, but you knew Grizz was going to be at work. He's going to be on time. He's going to do his job. He's going to do what he was asked to do to the very best of his ability. It's just the fact that to president and how the family came together over the years, the decades and the generations. Uh, Jake and Grizz, just were not real close. Well, JR, we've arrived. It's finally the big debut, uh, for Jake and he, it's a Baltimore TV taping. It's August, 1992. He makes his way in and buddy, you are on the call. As I said, once again, for this clip, and it is goosebump city. He attacks the franchise sting. We have the clip. Let's take a look and watch it together and, uh, and listen in to this big debut for Jake. Who's that coming through the... That's, that's Jake Roberts! What is Jake Roberts doing here? Jake the Snake Roberts slithering into the ring! Jake Roberts attacking Sting! And now he's got the towel! Jake Roberts doesn't even wrestle at WCW! What's he doing here? Jake the Snake Roberts! I tried not to use too many pronouns. Oh, short clothesline! He caught the stinger! 
We definitely knew his name. That was the idea. Yeah, that was good. Oh! I love this energy. Oh, God! Roberts with that steel chair! Jake the Snake! The, the master of the DDT! He dropped him on his face! And hand of that steel chair with a DDT! Jake the Snake Roberts coming out of nowhere! He's manhandled the referees! Slapping Sting in the face. The DDT round the chair. The Stinger's got to be out of it right here. Not another one. Not another one. At all. Another DDT right on the right on the chair. Oh man. My God, I don't even. He's got that glove, that snake handler's glove. And that, what's going on here? Oh, no. Oh, no. Sting is out of it. The referees have been attacked. The locker room is, is finally emptying, but Jake the Snake. Oh. The Steiners and Ron Simmons here. Sting is hurt badly at the hands of Jake the Snake Roberts. He's got some huge reptile there. JR, I'm just going to tell you something. You and your commentary take the excitement. It's cool. Jake's there. It's awesome. But that just adds so much excitement level to we the fan at home, the way you describe it. Just doing my job, officer. Just doing my job. Well, buddy, I know we joked about, you know, we know his name and stuff, but I'm telling you that just elevates the whole product. When you get into it like that, all of us are, are just on the edge of our seats, just like watching a football game. When somebody's excited in commentary, it's the same. I appreciate that, Paul. I, uh, uh, Making I, I did that. I did that solo. Yeah. And so it makes it a little bit easier because you're not waiting for your partner to interject or to embellish or to add to or whatever. Uh, it was just me and I, I could, I knew what I was thinking. So I should be able to connect all the dots and get us out of there with heat on Jake and the top star in the company sting, uh, injured. Uh, that's the two messages. Uh, and if you want to break it down even more, we're just, we're starting to throw the ink on the contract of a sting Jake Roberts matchup, but it's the little things that you do JR when you're, when you're sitting there and you're saying when he's about to do another DDT on the chair, no, not another one. It's what we're all thinking, but you're articulating it in an excitement and in a passion of begging. It's just, it takes it to the next level. It's those little details, uh, the minutia, I think that just set, set you apart and kind of bring them and suck the fan in. Man, that's that's what we love. So good stuff. Jake's there. He's arrived, and and they pair him with Barbarian and Cactus Jack almost immediately. So what do you think of those three together, Jake, Barbarian, and Cactus Jack? Well, I liked it. You know, uh, they were, you know, they 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 was an impressive group. You know, Barbarian looked like a a Frankenstein monster, uh, and was such a sweetheart of a guy. You knew you had to worry about Barb. He's going to be at work when he needed to be, he's going to do his job when he needed to, uh, all good. And of course, Mick was this diamond in the rough that we're just waiting to break loose. You know, I'm, I'm one guy that from day one had had tremendous confidence that Mick Foley was going to be a big time player. 
and he was, uh, and still is to a large degree. Uh, he's another guy that, uh, if I'm a promoter and I'm booking card shows or autograph things, I can do a Q and a with Mick Foley and other wrestlers and, and fans can in, engage. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Cause again, they're not, they don't make any more Mick Foley's. They don't make any more Jake Roberts. And, uh, but I, I, I thought that they, I thought that, that was an interesting, it was new and none of those guys are total strangers. So the, the three man group was new, but make no mistake. The, uh, uh, the goal was to get Jake over and to get Jake a little entourage, a shelter. A faction. There we go. Yeah. 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 His, uh, his in-ring debut for the company takes place at clash of the champions 20. So if you guys want to go back and watch that, his debut is on clash 20. He's teamed with old enemy, Rick rude, super invader, who by the way was Hercules and uh, big van Vader in a four on four elimination match against sting Nikita Koloff and the Steiners, a big time matchup here. And, uh, we got some, some notes here from the observer. He said rude and Roberts invader and super invader beat Sting, the Steiners, and Koloff in an elimination tag match, which took 15 minutes, 15 seconds. Rick and Vader worked hot spots together and were the highlight of the match and the card. First fall saw Koloff pinned in 726 when Roberts pinned him after he collided with Rude. Sting pin, uh, pinned Vader in 36 seconds with a face buster in the second fall. Third fall was back to the Vader Rick Steiner show with them trading hot power moves. Uh, and then Rick tried to stand up with Vader on his shoulders, but 395 of dead weight staring at the bottom of him. And that was a bad idea. At least he didn't tear out his lower back because that much weight, that shaky is dangerous. Uh, Scott was DQ'd in 332. Uh, and then we kind of go through all the, all the DQs and all the movements there, but the crowd was chanting DDT DDT and Roberts finally dragged Rude to the corner, tagged in and got the pin with the DDT best match on the card. He gave it three and a quarter stars. Uh, this is, this is a good showing for Jake. Uh, it looked like he could still go here. And what did you think? Do you think he was still looking good for his first time back in the ring here? Uh, I thought it was good booking. I thought the match is laid out. It sounds a little herky jerky when you're reading it off. Yeah. Uh, but the idea was to, uh, you know, uh, highlight Jake. That's it. Yeah. And we did. It, that was the point of it. He's now, he, he wins the big match and he's well on his way now to becoming uh, kind of a top player. Talk about Jr. what your memories are recalling him backstage. Uh, we've talked about him making his presence felt he's come out. He's made his debut. We're sold. He's in the ring. What's it like working with Jake backstage at this point? Well, it was, uh, he was always on top of the game. He always took a hand, uh, and his creative. He wasn't going to go out there like a cabbage, all head and no rear end, as junkyard dog might say. Uh, but I, I, I liked, uh, uh, he was always engaging. He was always talking to somebody. He had a lot of young talents that approached Jake to, for feedback. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? This type of thing. So, uh, but he seemed to be engaged. He seemed to like he gave right. a shit. Yeah. Well, it was no secret who they were going to align him with early on, especially with his big, uh, big debut there attacking sting. And, uh, it seemed like he was the perfect heel though, the perfect foil for such a big baby face and sting. Uh, yeah, well, yes, you gotta go there. That's, that's what, you know, you can either 
slow play it like you want a card hand or you can go for it. And we went all in with the uh, sting and, uh, and, and Jake that's, we believe that that would be the match everybody wanted to see if we were able to build it correctly. And I think we are right in that assumption. Well, we jump right into the build of the infamous match between Jake and sting at Halloween havoc. 92 is, uh, and that leads to the spin, the wheel, make the deal. And, uh, you here on grilling JR, that's going to be covered in depth because it's the 30 year anniversary of the show. But this match leads to a card that draws WCW's biggest buy rate since super brawl two and Jake and sting had to have a lot to do with that. Did they not? Of course. Yeah. They probably just, I don't want to say everything to do with it because they weren't out there. Uh, they had their support staff around them, uh, a cast around them that helped in, in, enhance their, their, uh, storytelling. But yeah, that was, uh, that's pretty interesting, interesting gimmick. I can't remember how we came up with that spin that we will make the deal. Uh, it was a kind of a collective, collective effort. I may have come up with the name. Okay. Uh, but the sensibilities of how you work the match and what's going to be on there were, uh, pretty obvious. Uh, but it was a, it was a gimmick that nobody had used before, at least to any widespread exposure. So it's, it was, I, I sit here many times wrestling fans like new and spin the wheel and make the deal was a new stipulation that had a lot of options. Uh, so it was, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was well booked. I thought it was a, you know, a new match a new marriage, new rivalry. Uh, and again, wrestling fans like new, they're yeah. willing to try it. And you just hope that you can capture, you know, the. Uh, the genie in the bottle or whatever the hell that's that yeah, that lightning is. in a bottle, yeah. lightning, genie, lightning, Mary, we like genies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Barbara <laughs> Eden was one of my favorites oh, growing up. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. So sting gets the win in that big match, but believe it or not, Jr. just weeks later, Jay, uh, Jake is out of WCW. So, uh, just when, you know, you think you get the ball rolling and things are heating up between, uh, you know, he and sting, he's gone. And, uh, I don't know if it's the relationship with him and Watts or his demons haunting him or a combination of everything. I don't know if you can recall kind of what the situation was back then, but, uh, he, he was, uh, he was out. Well, I think cowboy and Jake just had a very acrimonious relationship and bill trying to quote unquote, protect the brand. And there's always that dark cloud over Jake, unfortunately, uh, regarding, uh, uh substance abuse. Yeah. Uh, you know, was he using, was he not using, is he getting better? Is he, is he teetering on another meltdown? What's going on? But Jake never got along with cowboy and that's too, and that's a, that's an issue for both cowboy and Jake, uh, cowboy should have done all he could do. And maybe he did in his mind, uh, to keep Jay, Jake in the fold. Uh, and Jake should have done all he could do because of his age and the status of the business, you know, uh. Maybe you should try a little harder to get along both of you. Uh, but it just didn't, that wasn't in the cards at that time. Uh, it's a good point. And whenever you have two sides involved, both have skin in the game and it's on both people to try to yep. make things work. So That's right. exactly. it's, it's unfortunate too, man, because here's another opportunity where you could have seen if, if this would have worked out, maybe more gold, uh, around Jake's waist, uh, and, and, a, and a run here for WCW, but that's just not how it played out for him. So. Uh, the next time you run into Jake is during a brief run in Smoky Mountain. 
Uh, what do you recall about Jake's work down there? Primi- uh, primarily with the dirty white boy. Well, uh, not a lot, to be honest with you. Uh, I remember him being there and I remember being there as well. It was basically, uh, Jake was just getting a booking because he needed work. Uh, I was uh, a loner. I think Vince Lomita. That's right. Corn- Cornette. And, uh, even toward the end, you know, Corny was, you know, challenged financially, uh, and trying to run a territory and manage all these knuckleheads wasn't easy. So, uh, but he, he, he still had the magic. Jake still had the magic and, and dirty white boy, uh, Tony Anthony was a perfect opponent for him. Cornette did a great job of booking Smoky mountain wrestling. Nobody bullshit you on that deal. He did a great job. Uh, but I, you know, you see Jake and you say, well, you know, he can still hit a fastball. Yeah. He can get on base. And we got an example of it, uh, here. He's going to do a promo in Smoky mountain. This is our third and final clip this week, uh, that I want to play for you, but here he is with Bob Cottle, legendary love Bob. announcer. I love Bob too. Uh, got to meet him and just the nicest, sweetest man. So let's check it out together. Jr. Here's the final clip of the week. You see what I see, Tony, is you are a child trying to play a man's game. You want to come over here and pull a finger, take a finger, I'll take an arm. You want to reach inside my gut and pull out the stomach, I'll pull out your heart. That's just the way it is. Because when it comes right down to it, I will do absolutely anything to get what I want. Sacrifice, I'll sacrifice anyone. You see, I have my own rules. I do have morals, but they're my own. I come up with them myself, and if need be, I change them tomorrow, and I adjust, and I get what I want. Summer Blast. We're talking cage. Now, you might think in the back of your little weasel mind that I would be worried about that. But you see... I've been a caged animal all my life. When I was brought into this world, I didn't know how to steal, how to cheat, how to lie. My dear father taught me all of that. And these nice folks out here taught me that. Because you see, that's the way of life. So Tony, summer blast in a cage. I don't need a snake. I don't need nothing. Because I've got the one thing that no man can deal with. That's the DDT. Because once I hook the DDT on somebody and I take you to the mat, you don't move. And if you don't believe me, why don't you ask that little scumbag you call your old lady, huh? Ask her what it was like. Ask her what a nice trip it was. Ask her what a ride it was. And if you're lucky, Tony, if you're real lucky, you might survive, but I don't think so, because nobody's lucky when they play with a snake, not even you. The dirty white boy, Jake the Snake. Not a yeller, <laughs> my goodness, so it didn't need to. Whew. Love it. Yeah, that's a good promo, told a good story. Yeah. And again, you go back and st- say, it's much like I, I, one of the things that makes me proudest about being uh, in Tony Khan's AEW. All is the fact that these, these guys are, are doing these things in, in, in an improv in, improvisation. Yes. They're, they're doing it, uh, ad-libbed 
they, they may have, Jake may have had mental notes of this, the promo he's going to give and no, understand knowing that I'm going to do this in the beginning. I'm going to try to maintain on them in the middle. And this is my close. Uh, after that, there's no, there's nothing written down. And so I really admire those, those talents like Jake Roberts. You could go out there and cut a promo and tell a story that you could visualize as he was speaking. And if you go back and look at that interview again, and uh, even shutting your eyes to the point that where you can say, okay, I see, I see what he's doing. I can visualize this interview. I can visualize these actions. And Jake was brilliant at that better than just about anybody I can think of. Taking a few mental bullet points and telling a story on uh, live TV, one take, you don't get a chance to do it again. So impressive, man. And, uh, it, it's, I think it, you know, it goes to show not a lot of people can do that and do that well nowadays, unfortunately. Uh, and, and now you've gone to the scripted where you just make it so challenging. I can't imagine trying to memorize a script and then go out and deliver it live. And, and it's illogical. It. It's illogical, Paul. Come on. You hear you show up for work, you fly in, you get there the night before the, the morning of, uh, you got a million things in your mind and now you got to memorize a script that may not be approved until later in the day, which cuts down your time, uh, to memorize and interpret copy. So, uh, it's a, it's really, I just think it's a system that's built for failure. Yeah. And if you're not talented enough to articulate your feelings in a, in a promo form, uh, you might want to think about another aspect of pro wrestling to be involved in because this may not be for you. You've got to be able to think on your own and tell those verbal stories. And, uh, like I said, uh, nobody was better at it than Jake. And oh, by the way, once you memorize it, then you got to deliver it like you wrote it yourself and make it believable. So hard. Yeah, it's really hard. It's, it's, you know, there's so much involved. So we talked about Jake here. Whose idea was it or who made the decision, JR? Do you remember to bring him back to the WWF in 96? He didn't wrestle at all in 95, uh, but he would return to the Royal Rumble here in January. Well, star power. He still had name identity. People, there was a desire to see him. He had, and he had more importantly, the DDT. And he, he brought, he brought that with him, even though it's the Royal rumble and you're limited about going over the top rope, both feet touching the floor, he still had the DDT. So I just think it was a added special added attraction, uh, to get people talking. Yeah. Any conversation at the time, knowing he had, was having still struggling with the drug and alcohol issues about potentially bringing him back at this point. No, not really. I didn't have them. I wasn't in that role yet. Uh, I was helping JJ Dillon, uh, but that wasn't my cross to bear. Uh, so this wasn't under my purview. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's always going to be anytime, even today, if you got somebody that's had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, they never lose. They never leave. It never leaves them. They still got to address those issues. And you say, they say, well, what do I do? Well, you stay clean and sober. There you go. There's your answer. What else you need to know? What are you having for lunch? Hey, big shout out to Dustin Rhodes, by the way, talking about staying clean and sober. He just celebrated a huge anniversary. I think it was 14 or 15 years. I just saw on social media. So kudos to him and it's not an easy road to home. No. And and so that's awesome. And you live with it daily. You live with it daily. Not only in your, your inner sanctum and your mind. Uh, all those things, uh, you live with it daily. 
and uh, Dustin's done an amazing job. He's got a hell of a school down there in Texas. Uh, he's a valuable asset as a coach for, uh, AEW. Uh, and I know that the, he works a lot with the ladies. Yes. And, uh, they love him. He's just terrific. So, uh, and he's improved their execution and their, their skill sets, no doubt. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, congratulations, Dustin. I've known him since day one and he just got off. He got in the wrong lane one day and had a hell of a time getting out of it, but he did. Yep. And now he's a, a success story. Yeah. Yeah. 14 years is what it was. So, uh, it can be done and, and kudos to him. So JR, they do some interviews with Jake on TV to openly talk about his substance abuse issues. Uh, this is when they brought into the storyline, a whole few with Jerry Lawler. So, uh, how hard was it? Was it hard to convince Jake to, Hey, let's go there with all the real life issues to present for the world to see. Do you remember any well, of that? Jake was smart enough to know that this is what Vince wanted to do. This is a creative idea that Vince wanted to pursue being the veteran and the being understanding the business as he did. Uh, this is Jake knew that now was not the time to try to exercise any leverage about not talking about this very, uh, public problem. So, uh, he was smart enough to go right along with it. And, you know, and quite frankly, you know, you would hope that it helps some people, uh, it gave an insight on what it's like to be, a, uh, an addict. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a tough, inter- it was a tough interviews to do. I don't remember a lot about them, uh, other than, you know, it was a very sensitive subject and basically what you do in a situation like that, at least in my role. You set the table and you turn to turn it over to the, the interview E and that's what we did. And so, cause he had plenty to say, I, I didn't need to give him any words. I didn't need to give him any ideas of what to talk about. We, we wanted it real and guttural and it's going to be a little coarse, but, uh, I think when we did it, I think everybody was on board. Uh, and again, the. The theory was that it should help people that want it, want to be helped. So, uh, it was a, it was an easy interview to do for me because all I had to do is kind of <clears throat> wind up Jake and turn him loose because he had a lot to get off his chest. He sure did. To your point too. There's also a level of accountability that happens now when you expose your kind of secrets to the world. Uh, and now everybody becomes, uh, aware of what's going on in your life and situation. So there's that too, uh, involved with all that. So a lot going on here. And, uh, like you said, your the end goal was maybe it helps somebody, you know, Hey, there's right. a guy that I cheered for so many years dealing with some of the same stuff that I'm dealing with or, or what have you. So definitely an interesting storyline and time timing here for him and his career. Do you, do you remember at this time too, was there an intention for him? Cause you've said it, how smart he is and how much he could contribute to the business for him to potentially have a full-time writing position when he retired as an actual wrestler. Well, I, I think he would do really great in that role. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, but again, you got to get past that trust factor. Are you okay? Can you handle the responsibilities of this? We cannot have a coach or a producer or whatever word you want to utilize, uh, being a user talent, see it, they know it. It's just not good. So, uh, again, I said this earlier, once you are identified as a drug addict, uh, and you're all, you'll always be identified as a drug addict. 
Is that fair? Probably not, but it's just the, the way that it is. You talk about ball players now. You can talk about a lot of ball players that still have the, the baggage, you know? So uh, that's kind of how I see that deal. You just, you got to live with it and manage it. And again, how do you handle it? Well, you go clean and sober. If you can't be clean and sober, then you're not healthy and you're not going to help us. So, uh, I think, uh, Jake, uh, probably got a lot of help in that respect from DDP, who was kind enough to share his home and his expertise and all that stuff with Jake. And, and I'm very, uh, I, as a wrestling fan, I am very, uh, I'm very proud that I know DDP. I like him. I respect him. And he's done some amazing things for some talents that I can't think of anybody else in the world would do. Yeah, he has, he's dedicated his life, uh, to some guys and really helping them out so much. I think when you talk about legacy, uh, man, that's going to be a huge part of DDP's legacy and what he's done for some, some of these guys. He's now, I think now he's trying and working with Buff Bagwell, trying to that's help good. get him restored. Yeah, I it hope is. it works. Oh, I really hope it works. You know, uh, nobody wants to see Buff leave us too early. That's right. He's a young dude, man. And clean and sober. That's your answer. Well, what can I do? How many treatments? And I, it's stay off the shit and, and learn to live that way and learn to appreciate your life and be grateful for what you have. And, uh, so I hope that, uh, Dallas is successful with, with Bagwell and, uh, helps him and helps him to get past these issues so he can live a long productive life. Yeah, that's the goal. Absolutely. So, uh, back to Jake here, he is released in 1997 again. And I want to ask you a little bit about beyond the mat. Did you know, or were you aware of all of Jake's childhood history with his father prior to that documentary that was released in 99 JR? Had you heard anything about all that? Heard it all. Heard it all. Some of you didn't even want to believe, but, uh, over a course of time, you find out, well, it's, it's just factual. And it's just sad. I don't even, I, I couldn't even identify with it. You know, sometimes when you try to solve a talent's problem. You want to put yourself in their shoes and identify with that issue. Uh, but hell, I could, I had no, I, I had no way of identifying with that. Yeah. That very dysfunctional and unfortunate. So, but, uh, you know, oh, Jake has just survived. I say hey, one thing about him, he's a survivor and, uh, I'm proud of him for that. He, uh, unfortunately goes on a downward spiral from this point. Uh, we've heard about the incident at the heroes of wrestling pay-per-view in October of 99. Do you remember at all having any kind of conversation with him at all? I, it's not during the time when the WWF would send people to rehab, but I'm sure people were keeping tabs on him, you know, during this time period. Well, he was a uh, high on the list of those who are not going to make it. It was seemingly, and it sounds morbid. Don't mean for it to sound totally morbid, but it's just truth. You know, he was probably one of those guys in a short conversation. So who's going to be the next to go. And, uh, that's not a good scenario to dwell on quite frankly. So, uh, again, it's just, it's a powerful, powerful enemy. And, uh, with the help of a lot of his friends and himself, more importantly, Jake wants to be healthy. He wants to be better. And when he's, when he's that way, he's, uh, 
brilliant. It's totally brilliant. Even today. As we uh, walk through his story here, he spent the first half of the early 2000s living in England until UJR interviewed him for a WWE DVD release uh, that was based on him in 2005. And he's still at a very low period of his life. What do you remember that experience, spending that time with him? Do you recall anything from that? Yeah, I thought it was sad. I thought it was sad. It, it, it was disturbing and sad. Uh, wasn't my ideal topic for a long, long form interview, but it's something Vince wanted to do. Uh, and again, the company WWE thought, well, maybe we could help others that are in a similar plight. And I think that's the best way to put it. You know, we just want to help people and, uh, and let Jake express himself. Cause he had, a, he had a carte blanche. He, we didn't give him a script. We didn't say, here are your questions. Uh, I didn't have a list of things to ask. Uh, it was just a real free flowing interview. And, uh, I, I'm glad I did it, I think, but it was sure sad when I look back on it, what we had to address. Absolutely. Well, the good news is things start to change over the next several years. In 2007, he does enter the WWE's voluntary 14-week rehab program uh, that they had just recently started. Um, you know, kudos to them. You know, everybody wants to take shots at WWE here and there, but here they are starting to do things for talents. This this rehab program for hey, even if you were on the roster years ago, we're going to start sending you to rehab and paying for it. I mean, I think there's something to be said for that, JR. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, it's expensive. They're, WWE's spending big money on this deal. It wasn't like, is this a token? Oh, they got the money. Well, okay. It's their money. It's not your money. That's right. And it's a lot of money, but it was very admirable. And I'm glad that they they started that program. And to your point earlier, he reconnects with DDP in 2012 after getting back on the drugs and alcohol and putting on a lot of weight. But thank goodness for DDP, who essentially saved Jake's life. Uh, man, uh, again, I know we already just had talked about it earlier, but uh, again, DDP's legacy here is going to be what he had done and worked with. Because I think, honestly, we know we lost Scott Hall, but if it hadn't been for the DDP intervention, who knows what could have happened even there. Uh, just a, a great dude, a great guy, and a great friend to so many of these guys that have been struggling. Yeah, no doubt. Doing, doing good things for good people. And I admire Dallas for that. He should be, he should be uh, acknowledged endlessly for helping others. Because a lot, like I said, in the wrestling business, known for insecurities and all these things, uh, you know, uh, Dallas just stepped away from all that. And he wanted to do something. He wanted to help. And he was a big fan of Jake's over the years. You know, Dallas didn't start wrestling. This is mid thirties. So he was, uh, he had a lot of time to, do, to understand the work, the psychology of the, utilized by Jake. So, uh, yeah, we can't give Dallas page enough credit for kind of helping get everybody back pointed in the right direction. It wasn't a guarantee, but at least, uh, everybody was going in the traveling the right road. I thought. Let's talk about a really cool and had to be a highlight for you, Jr. You're sitting front row for uh, his Hall of Fame speech in 2014 in New Orleans. How great was it seeing had his life had changed, and now all of a sudden he gets to enjoy this moment, man. This is it's cool. Time. Yeah, I, I didn't think it would ever happen. 
uh, and I was pleasantly surprised that it did. And, and again, uh, he delivered verbally. That was a real hell. It was a hellacious, uh, acceptance speech. And, uh, I, I'm glad that I'm just glad that they happened. It was, it was, I was very proud to be sitting there, uh, watching the transformation of Jake, the snake Roberts and have him share his life, which I don't know that a lot of people could even survive his life. He's lucky to be alive. You're so right. And, uh, he, a lot of miserable times that he had to deal with. So, uh, I've always respected Jake for maintaining his sanity and surviving. Jake Roberts is a survivor. That should be the title of the episode. Jake Roberts, the survivor. When he comes into play for AEW, can you expound what he brings to the table to the younger talent, man? This is a big time move for AEW, bringing him in. Smart move by Tony Khan to bring Jake in. Uh, we have such a young roster, uh, that, uh, you, you can't get too many mentors, coaches, whatever you want to say. Uh, Tony did a good job with that. Uh, you know, I thought that I liked the pairing of, uh, uh, Lance Archer and Jake. Uh, but you know, I, I, and I, I think we're, I think Lance Archer is one of the more underutilized guys in the wrestling business. Agreed. He's big, great. big, rugged son of a gun. Nice man. Reliable. Uh, can't get too many Lance Archers on your roster. I can promise you that. So, uh, but I thought that was a smart hire by Tony came out of the blue to me. Uh, I'm not involved in hiring or firing talent. In AEW, nor do I want to be. Uh, if I had the opportunity, I wouldn't want it. I've done that. I've been there. That's right. I, 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 it's just, it's not that I don't care. Right. But J you've already done that. You've experienced JR's too old. He didn't care anymore. He's too old. No, I just, I've been there. I've done that. Yeah. And, and, and you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Tony made that hire. It was good for all of us. Well, uh, have you had much chance to spend any time? I know you're typically in and out on flights and things like that and doing your thing, but have you had any time to spend with Jake or had any conversations with him since, uh, you two have been together in AEW? Oh, a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, we, he, he dresses, we generally dress in the same locker room, uh, our same catering. That's where all the old guys go to catch up on the dirt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I see him and, and. And we laugh about some of our stories. We laugh about some of the people we work with that were crazy and, and, uh, all that stuff. So, uh, it's always a good experience with him. Good. He's not in a, he's never, I've never seen him in AEW in a, in an altered state. Uh, you know, he's had some, he's got some breathing issues, but that they're being addressed. Uh, but no, I, I always enjoy when I see him in the locker room, when he's there. But he's not doing, uh, you know, getting uh, medical situations addressed. Uh, it's always a good day. Yeah. And, and that's no secret. He does a, a podcast with DDP and here it's on, you know, part of the group here and he has a, you know, the breathe, the oxygen. And so there, there's no secret there, but he is, he's in a good place. He's doing well. It's so good to see him involved and it's cool that you two get to work together again after all these years, as we started with a, uh, mid South clip with dark journey in the middle of the ring. Fast forward all these years later, and here you two are at the same wrestling company doing your thing, man. It's just so cool to see. It's funny the roads we travel, quite frankly. I really enjoyed that clip earlier with uh, Dark Journey. She took, she was man enough or woman enough uh, to uh, yep. take the DDT, and I can assure you that she was not trained uh, to 
undergo or to take a DDT safely. And that, that credit is all to Jake. He took care of her. He didn't hurt her. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was, that was a hell of a clip. And it just shows also too, uh, dark journeys value, uh, in, in mid South and how that kind of got her career started as well. She was always a great team player still is. I, I, I keep in contact with, uh, with, uh, Linda, uh, pretty regularly, you know, she's just a unique and interesting person. I just think it's fun to see the roads traveled in wrestling to see, yeah. you know, you two here, you guys are together. You were in your cummerbund and tuxedo holding the mic. He was right beside you. Now here you are all these years later, 40 years later, still working for the same company. What hard a to believe, what, hard what, to believe, what, but. what a great world. Well, happy birthday, 67th birthday, Jake Roberts from us here at grilling Jr. We hope that you enjoy it and are so glad to see you, uh, still moving, kicking, doing your thing in AEW. We do have some fan questions, Jr. that I want to get to. So we'll go through those. First one comes to us from TJL 66. He says, Jr. if Jake was able to stay clean and sober in 96 and 97, do you think he could have stuck around on the creative team through the attitude? era well i think we've probably said it often enough in the show today uh, any opportunity jake would get to be involved in creative uh, would probably be a good thing and with the attitude era being edgy and coarse and things of that nature back in the day tvr uh hell yeah he would have been he'd been a great help but again the key words that uh this uh, gentleman mentioned if he were able to be clean and sober that's always going to be the mystery. The big if Francis race is up next. He said, why do you think he was not pushed in the main event picture? We just answered that question. Reliability. We were afraid at times the people in charge that maybe he wasn't ready for that role. And he still has some demons to deal with. Uh, same. I think a lot of these answers will be similar. Radio McCall says Jake is one of the best of all time in terms of rings in ring psychology. Any chance back then he could have moved into a producer coach role or was his addiction too much to be reliable? We've you've answered that over and over. Love the show and glad both of you have a job at AEW. And we are both glad that you're watching and, uh, and, and, and AEW, we, it's such as I said earlier, you know, it's the most important week in my opinion. At least in my tenure, as that's since day one in AEW, I'm I'm a big uh, I'm a big believer that you know that we ha we live in a world of specific destinations, and this is a specific destination week for AEW, whether it be Dynamite or Rampage or uh, you know the, the pay per view on Sunday. It's just a huge week, and I I think that. Uh, you know, we're ready to, to, to deliver and, and I'm not sure I'll see Jake there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who all, who all gets booked, who doesn't. Uh, but if he's here, if he's, if he's there, you can bet he'll be one of the guys that the talents will migrate to, to pick his break. Yes, I'm sure. Steve Clark wrestling's up next Jr. And he says, what would your dream Jake, the snake feud be? Maybe Bray Wyatt question mark. <laughs> well, for today, no, Jake's not wrestling anymore. Uh, and I'm not big on fantasy shit. Uh, and I, how do I say that? I mean, how do you say that some of those guys that Jake worked with, uh, would be supplanted by Bray Wyatt? I can't go there. I, I, I think Bray Wyatt's a hell of a talent, 
and, and, uh, there was a specific point in time in WWE where he had, uh, seemingly the world by the balls, the short hairs as grandpa would say. And, uh, but I don't think I would put Bray Wyatt over so many of the other guys that uh, Jake worked with, uh, even though in their heydays, which is impossible to, to gather your arms around. Uh, that would have been a very intriguing matchup, if nothing else, just for the, for the friggin' promos. Yeah, no, absolutely. The promos would have been unbelievable. Michael McClanahan's up next. He says in JR's opinion, how impactful was the DDT as a finisher during Jake's initial run? And does JR wish certain moves were more protected in today's professional wrestling? Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to protect them. And that's why the DDT for many, many years has had such uh, uh, impact it's been protected and, and taken care of, uh, but yeah, the, too many s- established feasible finishes have become transition spots or high spots. And I'm not a big fan of that whatsoever. It just, it gets you out of a rhythm, all those things, at least for me, when I see a DDT, I want a winner. Yeah. Or, you know, be near the ropes or do something, do something to help give yourself an out. But, uh, and that's all because of Jake Roberts. Now he was so staunch in protecting that finish. It was always fun when he did the finger kind of swirl around and you knew it was coming, man. That was, it was lights out. Yep. Two count Kyle says, Hey, JR, I think Jake has done some outstanding work as Lance Archer's mouthpiece in AW. Do you see him doing any work with anybody else in AEW? If so, who would you like to see him paired with? Well, he's Jake's going to be, uh, uh, a guy that as long as his health is good and he feels like traveling and, uh, I can tell you, you know, I, I have my little health issue that I deal with every week on, on these flights and they're, it's, they're no fun travel is no fun. Uh, and some people may roll their eyes at that, but it's really, it isn't you know, TSA screaming babies, double book seats, uh, all kinds of things. It's just hard. Yeah. Even when you're not sick, that stuff sucks. So I get yeah, it. Yeah. And the delays postponements, mechanicals, uh, it's just a, a high pressure scenario. So, uh, I, I, I don't know, man, I, I, I don't know who's the Jake can help anybody, but you got to understand you put, you're booking him as a TV character in a heel manager role or even a baby face manager role. It's, it's daunting Paul, because, uh, you know, uh, he can't take bumps. Yeah. So he, you're limited on your creativity and we've seen Jake take a isolated bump here, there, and yawn but it's probably not, not overly advised at this point in time. Maybe that will change, but, uh, we were not going to know that till we're down the road a little farther. Even so, I still love the way that Tony has, has figured out a way to use legends like Tully, Arn, Jake, uh, you know what I mean? It just seems like it's still having them a show up on TV. They're obviously still respected and remembered. And so I think he's done, you know, a masterful job of incorporating these legends and making sure we don't forget about guys like that. That's because Tony's a, still a brilliant fan of wrestling and he respects what those guys did, how they contributed. 
and he knows the opportunities they're going to have backstage primarily talking to talents, uh, and giving them some feedback, or you might try this, or why don't you take that out, put this in that type of stuff. So all those brain, that brain power is uh, pretty, uh, amazing, quite frankly. Yeah. You can't, you can't tie a price tag to that invaluable knowledge that those guys are going to get from, from those legends. Uh, Brad Stanton's up next. He said, why are fans so invested in Jake? People always asked about him on your radio show. So for those not familiar, we play JR's old radio show. We have all the tapes and clips going on ad free shows. You can check them out there. And so a lot of our guys are getting exposed to those. And Brad's point here is people were always calling into your radio show. Want to ask about Jake Roberts. Why are they so invested in him? JR? Fascinating in the character. Yeah. Fascinating in the character. Fascinated in the character. I should say, uh, and he got over, he got over. And when guys get over, they become topics of conversation and he had the DDT. There you go. Brian Fuller with our last questions and comment of the week. And he said, Jake recently commented on DDP's snake pit. And that's their podcast together. He has with DDP that he was working the main events around the loop for mid South in the early eighties, but was getting paid less, there's your cash and creative JR, than the two guys that Jake said were supposed to main event the house shows. Jake said he just left for greener pastures without much notice, which I'm sure Watts loved. That's uh, tongue in cheek. Did Watts not see any money in Jake at that time? And was Jake uh, was Jake uh, relatively skinny for what for Watts' seemed to like in a top guy? No, it had nothing to do with his size. It had to do with his, his out of ring and uh, away from the work habits of course we all saw money in jake god almighty anybody would leroy mcgurk who was totally blind would see money in jake it's just of course yeah but you you still got to you still got to have accountability and again my number one favorite trait of hiring talent reliability and for whatever reason whether he'd be right or wrong cowboy didn't think jake was reliable and it all boils down to what you said earlier when you were saying it was probably cash or creative. Here it was. Jake admitted it right on his podcast. It was it was cash. Right. And that's why he left. So there we go. Nice put a button on that one. And listen, next week, Jim, I'll be back. Yep, there's the warning. It's it's Paulie. I'll be back with Jim. We're going to be discussing Mick Foley's run as Cactus Jack in WCW. This is the first show drop in June. And uh, JR, we're celebrating another birthday because it is Mick's birthday in June. And so we're going to talk about the beginning of Mick in WCW, your first impressions, uh, impression of him, uh, him uh, being in and out of the company and then returning and then his climb up the card as Mrs. Foley's baby boy would start to uh, transcend and become a big star. I'm looking forward to that one, man. Good story. Good guy. Uh, and he overcame his look, the perception of him to become one of the biggest stars in the history of pro wrestling. So, uh, I, I, uh, always relish the opportunity talk about Mick Foley. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, two quick things before we get out of here this week, adfreeshows.com. If you're not a member, uh, join today. If you're not a top guy, upgrade today. May is the last time you can upgrade to top guy status and be eligible to be a part of Top Guy Weekend in Chicago. It's the same weekend as All Out AEW's big pay-per-view. 
JR, you were there last year. You did this panel show with the King and it was an unbelievable weekend. We were in the green room. You, you were eating chicken, Chick-fil-A. We were having a great time. Easy now. Tell these, tell these folks, this is the place to be, isn't it? Nobody gives a shit about what I'm eating. <laughs> I did. It was funny. You were so hungry coming in there. It was so fun. JR, you were hilarious. I was happy to get the Chick-fil-A though. That was nice. <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> I'm kind of a Chick-fil-A guy. Kind of good old basic JR here. That's right. Uh, I, the, the, those opportunities that Conrad and his team are providing the fans is nothing short of incredible. It is. If you're a lifelong fan and you want to know more, you want to be around these guys, you want to have conversations. My gosh, this is perfect. This is, it is. It's a dream, a dream trip. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Chicago join adfreeshows.com. Get on, get in it, get involved, meet Jr. I'm sure he'll be there. Jr. Friday night, we're doing Rebels karaoke. That's right. Rebels going to be on stage performing songs and with all of us. It's going to be, what else do you need to hear to not buy a ticket to this? Sweet girl. I'll tell you that. She's an Oklahoma girl. Yes, she is. From Owasa, Oklahoma. Oh, suburb of Tulsa. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. I think the world of her. Uh, There's something for everybody. That's right. Uh, So I think adfreeshows.com has all your info. It does. It does. Check it out. Uh, Rebel has her own happy hour show on ad free shows that I'm a part of. It's a great time. Speaking of something for everybody, Jr. Before we get out of here, that's Jr.'s BBQ. Uh, dot com and lots of great products over there. I just had some of your multi-purpose seasoning. Uh, just on some steak this week, buddy. So good. I appreciate it. The seasoning's uh, one of our staples, and uh, that's good. We tweak the recipe on it a little bit to make it a little healthier. Some people have noticed that. Most haven't sales are up. So I think it's working. Uh, but you know, the, the, the little, uh, packets packages that we sell, that's got one of this, one of that great gift idea. And let's not forget dad father's day is coming up, man. We're, we're close. That's right. And so, uh, you know, we'll help you out here. We can get it shipped to you. But the first thing you gotta do is go to jrsbbq.com and order something. Honey, honey, I want some, some barbecue from Jr. for father's day. All right. I just had to throw out the reminder. Sorry. Go ahead. Jr. Yeah. I'm sure that's you're a great communicator. (laughs) Oh man. But you're absolutely right. Father's day is coming. What do I get him? I'm telling you every, every father listen to this podcast would love a little Jr. BBQ packet. And you guys have some stuff where they can get, you know, a couple different sauces together, some packages and stuff like that. So take advantage of it. Absolutely. And, uh, we have, we have opportunities on the site where you can get things signed, oh. whether it be books or photos or whatever the heck it is, but we'll make your father's day shopping right for you. There you go. Nice so give, us, give us some consideration and I can't ask for much more than that. Just give us a, just tag us in. Tag him in. You won't be, uh, upset that you did jr thank you so much this has been a great episode all things jake the snake roberts like i said we'll be back next week for cactus jack in wcw on behalf of the voice of wrestling jim ross the hall of famer this is paul bromwell we'll see you right here next week on grilling jr see you in vegas everybody come looking to have a good time because that's what we're doing John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.